We're in a new series. If you're newer visiting this morning, we're in a new series. We just started last week. It's called Me and My Big Mouth, right? And uh, we've been working off. Yeah. Uh, you, you, I said, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out where that one's going, right? And, uh, but uh, we're working off of the, what Scripture says about our tongue. And uh, last week we walked through some things. And we started with this uh, verse right here. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Notice there the implication is more uh, than just if you don't talk, you won't eat anything. It's more you're either going to talk and your mouth's going to produce life or it's going to produce death. And depending on which one your tongue produces, you're going to eat the fruit of that. That makes it a little more sobering. That makes it not quite so neutral. You can't just kind of freeze it out and say that doesn't pertain to me. The truth is uh, this pertains to all of us. And so... um, Last week when we were talking, we said that the tongue is a powerful tool. I think we know that. That's not uh, something uh, really startling to us. But I think the older you get, the more you realize how it can heal or harm, bless or curse. And that uh, the tongue can often uh, cut somebody without even trying sometimes. And we used illustrations. We used illustrations to kind of get pictures. Lottie said that was really helpful of... Uh, you use a picture of a utility knife, a chainsaw, a baseball bat, fire, and then Facebook. And what we said is that these uh, in and of themselves are not bad or evil or anything wrong with them. It's how they're used. And we used, showed positive uses for each, and we showed negative uses for each. For example, I, I doubt there's anybody here who hasn't taken a utility knife, tried to use it as a screwdriver, and then broke the blade. Right? There's just a lot of inappropriate ways you can use certain tools. And the tongue is one of those. And so what we were trying to highlight with that is the dual nature of the tongue. And the reason the tongue has a dual nature is because we have a dual nature. We have a nature of the flesh, the fallen nature, uh, Scripture would call the sinful nature, and we have the nature of the spirit. And Galatians says that those two are in opposition. The flesh wars against the spirit. The spirit wars against the flesh. They are in opposition to each other or contrary to each other so that you cannot do what you want to do. I think all of us have felt that pull, have experienced that conflict going on inside of us. So it's not the tool. It's how the tool is used. Again, there's nothing inherently wicked or evil about your tongue uh, that you should cut it out or do things like that with it. It's, It's not the tool. It's how the tool is used, that we're looking at. That's what we're trying to wrestle with. So we're going to uh, take that a little farther this week. But before we do, let's, uh, let's pray together, right? Father, certainly um, I'm no expert in this. Well, I'm an expert in how I mess up in this area. And I've sinned in this area in numerous, many, varied, and great ways through the course of my life. And I'll bet you most of my friends can uh, say amen to that as well. That's not a good sign, Lord. As we stand before you, we recognize that uh, our words hang us and uh, get us into great trouble. And Lord, uh, we also know that our words can rescue us. And so we seek uh, your spirit this morning with this crazy thing called preaching that you get somebody to stand in front of other people and somehow your spirit interacts with that to work in a living way. And we seek you for that this morning, that people would come away not so much hearing my words, but they would hear your words, your spirit, talking to them, highlighting something, identifying something, 
picking out something that uh, stands out. And so we give that to you in your name. Amen. So let's take a a step further. What we want to do this week is explore a little bit more about what Scripture says about the tongue and this command to tame it. We're going to talk about taming our tongues and the important need to tame our tongues this morning. And uh, I I don't think anybody who's tried that uh, recognizes how difficult it is. The control of the tongue is one of life's most difficult challenges and most important. James says that though the tongue is a small member among the body, it has a lot of power. And so I was thinking this week, last week those illustrations are helpful. I was thinking about what are some small things that control big things and therefore have a lot of power. And, and so I talked around the office and we came up with some illustrations again. Here's the first one that we came up with. Flaps on an airplane. If you think about the size of the plane, the flaps aren't that big, right? On the tail, there's that back rudder with that sort of deal. But without the flaps, the plane can't fly. The plane can't take off. The plane can't land. The plane can't turn, right? And uh, so, for example, my uh, mother-in-law, Marilyn, she lives in Linwood. And so we go over there often. And her house is directly in the flight path of Boeing Field. So all the test planes come right over her house. And there are some amazing planes that fly over, some enormously huge planes. Like, how can that be in the air? Have you ever, I marvel at that, right? And yet the plane is controlled really by very tiny flaps that tell it what altitude, even what speed or what direction or what turn it's turning in. And so the flaps control something really large. I was, Another illustration of something that um, is small but controls, uh, we saw it this morning. The tuning pegs on a guitar, right? This is uh, Zach's guitar up here. There's John's, there's Jake's. They all, these have three on each side. That one has six on one side. But tuning pegs are interesting because really if you think about the guitar, they're a very small part of the guitar. And here's the interesting thing about tuning pegs. They do not have to be off by much to make the sound sound bad, right? You ever on stage and right the musicians and people playing, they're sitting there fiddling. You're like, just stop, just play it. Well, they can't. You know why? Because it sounds bad and they know if they keep playing, it'll sound bad to you as well. And here's the thing. Only one peg needs to be bumped or off for the guitar to sound bad. If the musician says, well, I don't care. I have five in tune. I'll just keep playing. What does the one out of tune do to the five that's in tune? Right? Just makes it like nails on a chalkboard. And that is very similar to life. Like your life can be going really well, but if your tongue's out of tune, it will throw your whole life off. Another one I thought of is, um, here's a small item. Does this control anything? We know the power of keys, right? Keys open our cars, keys open our trucks. Without keys, you can't take your boats or your four-wheelers on vacation. You can't even get into your house without keys. Shannon was using the illustration that uh, in times of war, there's two really important keys. They have to go in together and they have to be turned simultaneously and they set off a nuclear launch. can't have one key, you need two keys. They have to work together. Right? But those two little things could set the world on fire. That's kind of an illustration of what James is using. 
Uh, here's another one. This one's really come to the forefront in the last 20 years. Anybody recognize that? Is it amazing how passwords have become part of our... I was trying to tell in first service that 20 years ago, there were passwords, but not like they are today. And what today, you have to revolve them, right? So you have a password, and then six months later, you say you need to change it. Because the big thing in our culture is what? Identity theft. And so, and this really messes me up because I have a hard enough time with one password, let alone changing it. Ah, no, what? Oh, that was the old one. Rats. Anybody else do that? And um, it's like you have to have a password. So I have a password for my, to get into my computer. I have a password to get into my email. I have a password for my password. I have, I mean, right? It's crazy. But these little things can think of what is controlled in our world by such a little thing as a password. That one's more for the those of you who like systems and sort of stuff. Here's one. Here's a little thing that uh, many of us have experienced. throws us all off, right? Great power in this one. You ever watch what this does to a couple? I was talking to a friend of mine, Michael Sten, and he, he and his wife, he's from South Africa, and uh, he was in Europe with his wife, and they met. Uh, they were kind of doing stuff for Jesus in Europe, footloose and fancy free, and they met and fell in love. And uh, they got married, and then they had a baby. And he said, you have no idea how that upended our world. I said, yeah, I do. I have four of them. <laughs> and uh, it's amazing. They can't even talk. And they control everything. They control your schedule. They control your sleep. They control when you eat. They control when you can go out or when you can't go out. I mean, they control your pocketbook, right? This is an enormous thing that really changes reality and really changes life. James is using, I want you to have those pictures in your mind when we look at this in James. It says, For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able to bridle his old body, i.e., There is no such thing as a perfect man. Nobody's able to do that perfectly. But he's talking about how important it is that the tongue be harnessed. He says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also, the tongue is a small member Yet it boasts of great things. Talks about what it can accomplish. Jim, James uses two real um, uh, popular pictures here. One is of a horse with the bridle. Uh, if you've ever ridden horses or if you've been around horses, a bridle is small. It's only about this big. It's just a little metal bar and it goes in the horse's mouth. But you can take that 1,200-pound animal and make it where, go wherever you want by pulling on that bridle. It controls the entire animal. The other picture he uses, now this one here uh, is obviously a, a ship with, with a motor, but in James's day it would have been a sailboat, right? They didn't have motors. But even with a motor, the, the rudder is a relatively small part uh, of the boat. Many of us have watched those big cargo containers come through the Puget Sound, right? Come in to sail. You ever look at the size of those ships? It's even more amazing. When you're far away, they look big, but if you're on the Sound in a small boat... And one of those things come through and you just look, sit there looking up at it going, oh, you know, it's like 10 stories over you. And you're like, oh, that's big. 
But that whole big ship is steered by a little small rudder. So what James is saying here is that the um, if anyone doesn't stumble in what they say, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So the whole challenge here is to tame the tongue, to bring the tongue under the control of the Holy Spirit, to let the Lord uh, be the master or the trainer of your tongue because from the human perspective, it's very hard to do. Where do I get that from? Here's uh, James 3, if you go a little further down, 7 and 8. It says, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed. There's nothing we haven't tamed. In other words, James is saying, look around the world, look at, I mean, just look at circus acts and look at all the different things we've tamed. Uh, You know, um, just think of down in San Diego and you have all the water things and SeaWorld and all that kind of stuff. Think of what man has tamed. James says, you impressed with that? Well, here's one we haven't. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. He says, well, you may have tamed a lot of stuff, but there's one that eludes us. There's one that escapes. That's our tongue. It runs loose on us. It runs fast on us. It does things that we had not anticipated. And so the question this morning would be, well, why, why can't we tame our tongues? You've probably tried. Why is it so easy to what we call fly off the handle? Let them have it. You ever just let somebody have it? Right. Why is it so easy to rip and shred? By the way, often we guise our anger with humor. Right? And we, we get very sophisticated and clever with things like sarcasm and that kind of stuff. And, but boy, are we Ronco slicing, dicing, or what? Right? And the other person's just Ginsu knife, pieces on the floor kind of thing. Well, the Bible's answer is not one that we like very much. And it's certainly not popular in today's climate. But the answer that it reveals is telling because the Bible's the only book in the world that tells you this. And what the Bible says is that the tongue is a symptom. It is reflecting or is a reflection of something else that is going on. In other words, the tongue is driven by something. There's something that's putting the tongue in motion. What is it reflecting? Well, Scripture says it reflects the state of our heart. Uh, If you read today, we're all good and people are beautiful and everything's wonderful. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says there's something wrong. There's something wrong, desperately wrong with me. There's something desperately wrong with you. There's something desperately wrong with the people around us. What is it? We walk into it all the time. We have our guards up enormously. Even when we walk into church. Why? Because we know the propensity for what the human tongue can do. And we know it's reflecting something and what it's reflecting, and what Scripture's trying to tell us, is that there's something wrong with our heart. Something goes backwards. The engine to the heart, or the engine to the tongue, is the heart. Jeremiah 17, in a very famous passage, says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. And another translation would say, desperately wicked. Who can understand it? It says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind, to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. 
There's other places in Scripture there where you could say, according to the fruit of his lips. or the fruit of our words. God tests us. God searches, tests our hearts and minds. How does the Lord test our hearts? By how we use our tongues, by the use of our tongues. The heart produces what comes out of the tongue, and the tongue reflects what's going on in our hearts. And so God can make the correlation that I can tie what's going on into your heart by what you say and how you say it. That even includes those of us who don't say anything. Because he can say, I can tell what's going on in your heart by what you don't say. And in there we get caught in kind of a tricky catch-22. The book of Proverbs has got some incredibly brilliant, pithy sayings that uh, if you've ever read through it, are really good. And, and I'm going to show you a couple here, but my goal this morning is to salt your appetite that you would kind of just uh, graze through the book of Proverbs, just kind of glean through it and just kind of look and see what it says about the tongue. And I think you'll be fairly astonished what it says. Let me give you two examples. Proverbs 17 says this, Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Another translation, it says, whoever withholds his words is wise. And he who has a cool cool spirit is a man of understanding. You see this in uh, business. Businessmen know, right? When you, uh, if you've ever been in a heavy hitters meeting with business, and I'm looking around, some of you I know have been there. uh, I'm normally not in a heavy hitters thing, right? I'm usually just the guy down the street at the coffee shop. But I have a lot of friends who do that. And when you walk in on a business deal, and you watch two businessmen and, and they're introduced, they don't go up and go, oh, how are you? It's so good to see you. And they hug and they're talking. That. that doesn't happen. What happens? Guy goes up. Nice to meet you. That's it. Because what have they learned? If you say too much right in the beginning, you can lose the deal before it ever starts. Nice to meet you. And they wait till some other cue is given. Because they've learned to restrain their words so that the other person gets a chance to talk. And that, that comes right out of Proverbs 2. It says, Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. Right? You may have had this experience where you met a person, they weren't saying too much, and, oh, that's a pretty neat person. Then all of a sudden, later in the party, they start really talking. You go, whoa. Ever had that, right? Ooh, wow. They were doing good till they started talking. <laughs> right? Has that ever been you? I was doing great till I opened my mouth. You know, open mouth, insert foot kind of thing. And uh, that's what Proverbs is talking about. Another one in Proverbs 18 says this. A fool's lips, this is a good one. A fool's lips walk into a fight and it says that his lips, uh, in, his mouth invites a beating. This is so true. I grew up in Wisconsin and I grew up with the taverns and the bars and all it took was for a few guys to have a few beers and then a few words would be said and then they'd start flapping their lips at each other and the next thing you know they're outside brawling, right? And they would be punching each other and when you hit somebody, where do you want to hit them? Right in the kisser, right? Right in the mouth. Clock them, take them out. Right? Because we understand, you shoot your mouth off, I'm going to take you out. 
And that's what Proverbs is talking about, is that the person uh, who walks into a fight, a lips walk them into a fight and their mouth invites a beating. It says, a fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are a snare to his soul. This is what Hollywood's all built about. If you watch movies, it's somebody says something really stupid that they shouldn't have said and therefore the relationship can't be what it is and the whole movie is about them pining over what they said and did, right? We just last night watched uh, Sleepless in Seattle. Wow, is Tom Hanks young. And Rosie O'Donnell like, whoa, what happened? Like somebody shrunk him back, you know, it was amazing. But the whole movie is about what was or wasn't said in the miscues and the, you know, kind of things like that. You'll be watching it now, right? Netflix, pull it up. But it says, a fool's mouth is ruined, his lips are snared to his soul. A lot of uh, our lives are, are pining, uh, weeping over what we've wrecked with our mouth and what we no longer can get back. It says, the words of a whisperer, and, and next week we're going to look at what, what's the destructive side of this? What really falls apart? We're going to look at what Scripture identifies as the destructive things the tongue can do. It says, this is one of them, the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. We're going to look at uh, whispering and gossip and slander and what that stuff does. But again, if you cruise through the book of Proverbs, you're going to find all kinds of advice and admonitions that are regarding the tongue. I'm going to ask the guys to come forward at this point, begin serving us communion, if you would. If you'd come forward. While they're doing that, I want you to think about the tongue as a filter. King David says this in Psalm 14. I'm sorry, Psalm 141. It says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart incline to any evil to busy myself with wicked deeds in company with men who work iniquity. Let me not eat of their delicacies. David's trying to figure out how not to give his heart over to things that aren't good or things that are ungodly or things that aren't... um... Thanks, Kyle. Things that are evil. And what he recognizes, he says, you know what, Lord? Set a guard over my mouth because my mouth somehow is a gate. And if I let it out of my mouth, it tends to have this spillover effect. Have you ever watched the big dams right on the Columbia River when they let out the water? It's called a spillway for a reason because there's incredible turmoil and boil in the river from the amount of water left out. And sometimes that's what happens in our lives is we start talking and then there's this incredible spillover effect and all kinds of stuff gets washed downstream that should never gotten washed downstream. And so David's saying, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch. Lord, look at, watch the door of my lips. So when we're talking about who can tame the tongue, nobody can tame the tongue except the Holy Spirit. And that's why we've got to bring the tongue, our words, under the Lord's control. We can say so many things. It's amazing. It's not just our words. Uh, If you study speech uh, communication, what the experts tell you is that 15 to 25% of everything we say is tone. It's not the words you use, it's the tone we use when we're saying the words. You ever said the right thing the wrong way? Husbands, wives, right? How well does that work? 
right? That that dog don't hunt, right? <laughs> right? And you can see the look on your spouse's face. It got halfway to them, and they're already checked out because they're like, if you're going to use that attitude on me, you can go hide in the closet, son, right? That, that dog's not going to hunt. The other thing is we get really good even when we don't use words. 64% of everything we communicate is nonverbal. Young couples who come into my office don't get this at all because they're in love. And I say, well, how are you going to fight? Well, we don't fight. Well, yeah, but you're going to, how are you going to fight? And what I tell them is, hey, you can walk in, you can be married, walk in the door, never say a word, and within 60 seconds you're in a fight. And you never said anything. They're like, what? I go, yeah. No. Seriously. Yeah. You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding at all. Really? I go, oh yeah, every, every married couple will tell you that. Go ask your parents, see if that's true. Well, how, how can that be? I said, because it's a, we're, we're speaking non-verbally. We get really good at reading other people's cues. Okay? We get really good at picking up what we're saying without words. And so David's saying, hey, try to get a handle on that. The best way to do that is, Lord, if you were to guard my mouth, if you were to guard my lips, that would be really helpful. How do we tame the tongue? Again, by submitting to the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the deal. A lot of us go, you know, the Christian life's kind of boring. I live in Mill Creek or I live in Bothell and there's no great world disaster and I have a life kind of good and so I really don't experience God and I wish I experienced God more. I have a fantastic way that you can experience God more. Guaranteed to instantaneously energize your world in ways that you would have never dreamed of. You're saying, well, oh, awesome, Mitch. How do we do that? If you want to, if you want to experience the Holy Spirit, right? which is a cool thing, Holy Spirit's awesome. You should hang out with him. Then just say to the Holy Spirit, you know what? I'm not really experiencing this. So what I'd like to do this week is I would like to submit my language and my thought life to you and just watch the fireworks begin. If you didn't think there was a real devil, if you don't think there's a real warfare and you don't think there's a really Holy Spirit, just do that. Lord, I will submit my language, my tongue, and my thought life to you. Remember the dual natures of the flesh and spirit? You're going to find out they kick up big time. Because the flesh is not just going to lay down and go, ooh, oh, you're giving over the... Okay, then I guess I quit. Bye. Is that how it works? Oh, baby. You start playing with fire because the flesh says, you will, not you. You submit to the Holy Spirit. I will make your life so miserable. You wish you never heard the name of Jesus. I will come after you. I will take you out. You ever heard that? Or is that just me? Hello. Right? You have no idea how alive that stuff is till you try to take that on and submit that. The flesh does not want to be disciplined. Period. And it certainly isn't going to lay down and just give up and die. So if you want to experience the Holy Spirit, that's what you do. And I want to suggest this morning as we're getting ready for communion that this is really a big deal. Uh, Jesus thought it was a big deal. He says this in Matthew 12. He says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, 
or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its, its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now this is directly to the Pharisees, and this is directly about their language to him and what they were saying about him. And Jesus saying, get off the middle of the road, either make the tree good or make the tree bad. Don't do both. Then he says this, the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Now, how would we know that? What's the indicator? What, how does it show up? Jesus tells us, he says, I tell you, and here's the scariest verse in the Bible, right here. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Anybody scared to death right now? I am. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Why? Because the mouth speaks out of what is in the heart. So as we're coming to communion today, I want us to think about this. And what I'd like to do is just give you a minute alone. Just close your eyes. Just you and the Lord. All right, look up. This is a symbol of Jesus' body. Jesus' body hung on the cross. One of the things we forget about, he was under incredible pressure and it was incredibly unfair. What does it say about Jesus' words? It said he did not sin, even on the cross. Isaiah says, as a sheep goes before a shearer, so Jesus was silent before his inquisitors. Even under pressure, Jesus was in control of words. He said what? I speak only what the Father tells me to speak. So if we're going to be in communion with him, one of the ways that we're in communion with him is with our words. Jesus said, follow my example. He said, eat this in memory of me. This is the cup. It, it represents his shed blood for us, which covers our sins. But it also represents wine. We've, we're going to talk this week, and we talked about guarding the tongue this morning. Next week we're going to talk about what goes wrong, what are the specifics, and walk through it. That's kind of, you know, hard. But then we're going to also talk about how the tongue can bless. What are ways that the tongue can bless? We're going to end on that note, because the tongue can be an incredible blessing. If you think about people who blessed you through your life, Man, it can just pour life into you. And that's what we want to be, is a people who pour life into each other. Because God is pouring life into us. And he says, this is uh, a symbol of the new covenant. He says, I'm never going to drink this again till I come back to what? Get you. It's the great promise. He has promised us his words that he will not leave us or forsake us. And that he will be a blessing to us. And Jesus said, always remember that side too. He said, drink this in memory of me. We've got an incredibly appropriate worship song to set that. Let the Lord speak to you. Let the Lord perk what he may have highlighted this morning. And let's stand and worship together.